At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rave line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year oh no hello everybody welcome back to random Troy radio episode 383 coming to you on saturday october 3rd we're going to talk about the latest in usc football including finally we have a third pac-12 schedule yes a third pac-12 schedule this one for real this time uh, we're going to get to see who USC plays and walk through the schedule and what it means for the Trojans going forward on their season, which kicks off November 7th. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Omni Studio. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fanside.com and our phone number is it's 213-373-1USC, Suck It, What's Bruin Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. This is an early morning recording. We're recording this Saturday morning after the schedule is announced. It is early 10, morning? 10.51. This is early morning. I mean, it's 12 You're hours. You're supposed to sleep in on a Saturday morning. That's what Saturdays were invented when whoever created Saturdays, whoever it was, was like, I'm going to create a Saturday so that way people can sleep in. And what do we have to, what happens when we wake up to this to this news? Not only do we wake up to a, to a schedule being released, but, oh yeah, SC's playing at 9 a.m. on November 7th. Kill me now. 9 a.m. Yep. Who is up at 9 a.m. on a freaking Saturday? Uh, well, in, in my case, me. That's a new uh, problem. I mean, that is a me problem when Liverpool are playing or when I know that the schedule is going to be released at 730. DVRs and I, exist. Tape and the I game. Wake up Tape a at, Liverpool game. Yeah. Um, I used to wake up at 7 a.m. to watch college game day. And then I realized ain't nobody got time for that. And like. Yeah, now now I I'm I'm perfectly happy to tune in to the nine o'clock kickoffs at like 
1030. But for the nine o'clock kickoff in the Pac-12, um, I'm going to have to be up a bit earlier than so you, that. So you do agree. You do agree with that. Oh, no, I I absolutely agree that no one should be playing football at 9 a.m. local time. That's just a bad it, idea. It's almost like Stanford lost a game and didn't go to the playoff because they played a 9 a.m. local kickoff. Uh, well, 9 a.m. to them. It wasn't a 9 a.m. local kickoff. A, but an 11 a.m. local kickoff. Yeah. And it's almost like nobody remembers this. Yeah. Um, nobody just... Okay, so like, okay, there are there are a few elements to this. Just if we're gonna get into this right now, let's do it. Because I've got, I, I, I told you before we aired. I said I've got an opinion that might be my best opinion in show history, which should scare everybody. Because all of my the opinions are that good. Well, uh, we'll get we'll get to it in a minute. Okay, the, the 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 elements to this that need to be addressed. Number one, we can simultaneously give the Pac-12 a little bit of credit for going all in on a national window, which is something that, you know, the Pac-12 has been criticized for in the past of not taking advantage of big opportunities uh, for national windows. And this is an it's it's the big noon kickoff. So, like, I get what they're trying to do. They, they've taken the two best quarterbacks in the league. They've put them in a marquee matchup, and they've gotten Big Noon Kickoff as their vehicle for that. So, like, I get what they're trying to do here. I want to preface this by saying, I know you have something to say here, Michael. I want to preface this by saying, it's not worth it to me, but I get what they're trying to do. So, first of all, the the idea that the, the Pac-12 doesn't go after these, these windows and try to, you know, uh, these national spotlight windows, I don't agree with. They do go after those windows. They're just not the windows people like. Well, okay, like so, Friday nights when they have a monopoly on Friday nights. Okay, what I mean, which is, you know, that people don't like Friday night games, which is stupid to me. But they're taking advantage. They're taking advantage yeah. of an opportunity. So maybe I phrased that wrong. The Pac-12 doesn't get these Saturday windows in a in a time uh, time block that is that is valuable to other conferences very often. Sure, because time zones exist. Yes, and they're go- they're still going to be going up against the Big Ten and the SEC and the ACC and the Big Twelve. Like this isn't a monopoly window here. No, so but I, they, I, but it's better than the five o'clock let, window let me, against the primetime SEC. My game. greatest point in the history of the show. Okay, you ready? Go for it. All right. So, what if we learn from college football thus far? Uh, what has been the prevailing? Um, characteristics of the games played so far. Don't get on party buses. Well, I mean, besides besides the COVID exception. <laughs> okay. Um, the prevailing thing so far is uh, they've been sloppy. sloppy I say after yes. watching TCU in Texas right. have fifty thousand flags in the first half. Incredibly sloppy, especially the first game that teams have been playing. Yeah. Because this is a, a season in which many schools, USC especially, did not have spring camp. Uh, fall camp, it was abbreviated slash on a w- weird schedule. We know that SC is going to get a fall camp, but it's going to be different than 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 what they would have had in in the past, right? Like the time frame uh, moved new back, obviously, but it's going to be the same, but but different, right? And so much time off, and we we've seen these other conferences have these sloppy, 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 sloppy games. So I understand 
mind you, besides that, I understand the point of, yeah, let's put our two best quarterbacks in the entire conference in a national time slot so that way everyone can watch, and this is the first Pac-12 game, and let's get all the eyeballs. I get all of that from a marketing perspective. It all makes sense to me, besides, you know, the 9 a.m. part of it. I get I get it. I, I completely get it. But by November 7th, you know what the SEC is not going to be? Sloppy. Mm-hmm. You know what the Big 12 is not going to be? Sloppy. The Big 10 by that point will be in week three. They will have gotten through the sloppy jitteriness. The Pac-12 is going to be going there on full display, getting on stage for everybody to freaking see. Everyone on the East Coast, not over here because, again, the sane ones of us still be sleeping. But the East Coast people, all awake for this, to see the Pac-12 go out there and trot out USC, a team that had no spring camp, a team that had a sloppy offseason, and is bound to play a sloppy week one against an ASU team that is equally bound to play a sloppy week one, despite them actually having a spring camp because ASU is weird and starts spring camp in February. Well, because the desert. Yeah, but it, like... I, I get the point of putting your your product on a pedestal, especially the first game with a bang, but you don't do that. I, like, it, would, it, it could backfire in this sense, especially when you just add on all these things. It, the, the, this game is bound to be sloppy because of the circumstances. You add the 9 a.m. factor to it, which, at, at, mind you, that's the weekend the clocks change. So, like, ASU still at 9 o'clock. So, it... It's, but, it's nine o'clock for them, just like it's nine o'clock for yeah. us. So, it, it's it's the same thing. So I, so I, and, and I agree. I agree with you about like if it was me. If it was me, I'd put this game on Friday night. You put the game on Friday night. You take you take the monopoly window, um, and you at least allow your players to be playing at a time that suits their bodies. Yeah, rather than a nine a.m. game. You'd still have the sloppy week one stuff because that's just inev- inevitable, especially in a, in a COVID season like this. But, like, you'd at least go an extra step to try to mitigate that stuff by putting it at a, in a night game when everyone can still see it because it's Friday night. There's no no NHL. There's no NBA. There's going to be no baseball. It's going to go up against nothing. Friday night is the monopoly window. Right. That's when they should have been doing this. Right. Big noon kickoff ain't that it ain't that deep, man. It ain't that important. Well, it's important for Fox, so I'm sure they were sure. very I, excited I, to have this matchup. I get that. No, but like I don't want to argue with you because I totally agree with you. So like I'm not gonna play devil's advocate here because I've I've stated what the Pac twelve is thinking by doing this, but you're right. The Pac twelve is is thinking that they are doing the right thing here, but in actuality, they're setting their product up to fail, which is yeah, they're the, putting out a bad product. You're you're on you're, a spotlight. Well, so the see, and, and now it's interesting because the we're going to talk more about the schedule, but the schedule is very much set up with the Pac-12 seeming to be cognizant of the fact that they need a, a, a Pac-12 champion to have a very um, likelihood of being undefeated if they're going to to have a chance at, at getting into the playoff. So Oregon and USC uh, get favorable north-south crossover matchups if that was done on purpose. But the problem that they now have is that USC's showcase game is going to be the absolute worst situation for them playing 
a team that has had more preparation than them. Yep. At the 9 a.m. Mind you, on the first more game. preparation that was in theory still seven months ago. Right, but still, ago. but there's still something. And you know, USC is not a team that we should trust, anyways. So it's they are almost setting up a possibility where if if the idea is to get Oregon to the playoff, for instance, you're now setting up a, a possibility where you are cratering USC's uh, sort of reputation in week one, so that if USC is the team that does go out and faces Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. Like, what happens if USC isn't impressive in that game and all of a sudden your best laid plans are sort of screwed up because the marquee setup that you were trying to create with Oregon and USC launching one or the other into the playoff is is kind of dead. That's if USC isn't able to look impressive. Now, on the flip side, I mean, and this is the the gamble that the Pac-12 is is playing with, on the flip side, if Keaton Slovis looks amazing and this game launches his Heisman candidacy, then the Pac-12 gets to sit back and say, hey, look, look what we did. But, you know, you and I cover USC for a living, and I think we both know that uh, expecting that from USC, especially a Clay Helton coach USC, who Clay Helton has never really had a good opening game, has he? No. Bama was bad. Western Michigan was tough. Last year, UNLV was was mostly less less comfortable. Three hundred yards on the ground. Yeah, so like that's a huge worry for USC uh, going into this game, just in circumstances alone. As far as not necessarily that they'll lose the game, because spoiler alert, my prediction is they'll win it. But I think this might be a really ugly game that doesn't do anybody any favors. Right. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, that's that's us ranting about week one. but like you said, there's a lot of good things to, to look at USC's, um, in terms of USC's schedule. It is rather favorable, so let's get into it uh, and take a quick break. Come right back and uh, get into the rest of it, shall we? Before we get into the news, we want to talk to you about Patreon. Patreon.com slash Troy. We're going to get all of our bonus content, and starting this week, is going to be our 10-part preview series looking at every single unit on the USC football team. We're going to be talking about linebackers, DBs, the offensive line, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, all of them, starting this week, two times a week for the next five weeks, leading into week one when USC and ASU Lockhorns at the Coliseum. Patreon.com slash Rain of Troy's We can get all our bonus episodes for as little as $5.55 per month. Plus, we'll throw in ad-free main shows as well. Don't want the bonus episodes? You just want to go to ad-free? You can do that for three thirty-three a month. If you want everything for ten bucks, you get to join our Slack channel, talk about USC football nonstop as often as you'd like for ten bucks. Let's get into the news, shall we? Let's do it. So we mentioned the full schedule. Let's get right into it. The Trojans play November 7th at home Saturday morning, 9 a.m. against ASU, as we talked about on Big Noon kickoff on Big Fox. Uh, that is followed by two road games at Arizona and at Utah, November 14th and November 21st. Those two games are the only games in which USC will fly to. The only games outside of the LA area. And it's in week two and three. Everything else 
uh, save for a Pac-12 championship road game, all going to be basically at home. Uh, week four, Colorado Thanksgiving week uh, is at home at the Coliseum, followed by week five, the Washington State Cougars, the crossover game. They come to come calling on Friday, December 4th. And then finally, the season, the regular season at least, ends December 12th at the Rose Bowl against UCLA in the annual city championship game. The following week is the final week and the most interesting one, possibly. Uh, December 18th, Pac-12 championship game, which will be hosted by the best team with the best record in the Pac-12. Uh, and then right after that, Saturday, December 19th, uh, everyone else in the Pac-12 is playing. It's presumed to be the number two team in the South against the number two team in the North, the number three team in the North against the number three team in the South, and, and so on. But alas, according to the good old Pac-12, quote, details surrounding the matchups and television selections for games other than the football championship game in week seven will be determined in the near future. I guess it's too early to just tell people it's going to be two versus two and three versus three. Uh, I'm, 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 I have no opinions. I don't think they have to share that information yet. I don't think it matters. But what, what's not, we all know that's what it's going to be. What's the, what, you can say that that's what the format is while still saying it's to be announced, which is obvious at this point. Yeah. I, I, I don't get the point of, of, of punting on that. Yet again, I, I, I don't... Unless you have a situation where you don't want teams to travel, and so you say, okay, we're going to have everybody else play the closest team to them, or I don't know. I, I don't know. They're, they're, in, a, in a season when they can't be flexible about very many things, I don't care about this particular one. Well, well then don't let the two versus two, three versus three be the prevailing thought then. Like, leak that leak, leak to John Wilner that... that there could be other formats, and that's why they're they're holding up. You know what I mean? That's irrelevant to me. Whatever. Let's talk about the schedule. USC gets uh, the crossover game is Washington State. It's not Oregon, and that's that's good for the Trojans. Uh, well, it's 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 good that it's not Cal. It's good that it's not Oregon State. To be frank, it's good that it's not Washington. This is pretty much the best crossover game that USC could have hoped for, unless you think that Stanford is in a complete shambles, which they are. Uh, and that they might be an easier... Wazoo, uh, Stanford, Oregon State. Those are going to be the three that you want. And you don't want Oregon State. I'm telling you right now, you do not want Oregon State. Oregon State, State seems dangerous. They, yes. They, they seem like like they're they're taking a turn, and this is the year to play Washington State, considering that uh, Nick Rolovich is in year one. Uh, they're in a transition. Uh, they might be really good, but you don't necessarily know that because it's <laughs> they they might be year, really it's year one. That's a very hopeful. No, what I'm saying hopeful might. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I, I think their offense will transition well because Leach brought in so many air raid guys, and they're going to run the run and shoot, which is different than the air raid. But you still need a bunch of receivers, right? But th- let's just get into Washington State right now because I just I just wrote the thing on them. Uh, they don't have a quarterback. They lost their top three receivers to graduation and then lost an additional three receivers to transfer. Yeah. Their defense was not very good, and Rolovich's defenses at Hawaii were trash. So uh, I think the prospect of them being any good this year, like Rolovich might be a good coach, and I think you're right, he might get that offense to put up some points. But I, I like if he manages to have a team that is 
I don't know. Let me let me look at their schedule. What can we say their schedule would would uh, would say? To, to be fair, when I say that they could be good, I, I'm talking about their offense could be yeah a pest, right? If they, if they go three and three, that will be an absolute and complete miracle. But but if they see, win two games, here's the caveat that I gotta throw in here. Like I agree, I completely agree with you. A, this is the year to get them because of the the coaching transition. Yeah. And B, um, I, I think Oregon State is a little bit more scary because they, you've seen the progression from them in the last two years. But but nonetheless, all I'm saying is I think their their offense could be pesky because I think the transition from uh, the air raid to the run and shoot won't be so bad regardless of personnel. And what have we learned about those two types of offenses? They kind of don't matter on the personnel because they're always going to find somebody that slots into those kind of things. Right. It's also a Friday night, and it's also in right. Pullman, so it's uh, not. It's, it's here. Oh, it's is it at USC? Yeah. Oh, well then, never mind. SC wins. Friday it's a night Friday game, night so. game at the Coliseum. Yeah. USC is going to win. It's fine. Yeah, Traveler <laughs> loves the Fridays. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it, it's th- this is the best schedule that you could have ever drawn up. Uh, it, it is remarkable how this schedule that looked daunting for USC going into it has had all of the tough opponents wiped away one by one. Oh, you want to play this? I mean, Alabama? Alabama's going to be tough. Oh, let's strike them from the schedule. Notre Dame, another tough game. Struck from the schedule. Oregon, that's a really tough game. Struck from the schedule. Cal, that's probably going to be a really tough game. Struck from the schedule. You could argue SC's four toughest opponents all taken off of the schedule. If, if the, the three most toughest, for sure. Absolutely. And potentially the four, and, if, 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 depending where, where you want to say you can debate, ASU and Cal are. And you can debate Utah. Sure. But uh, I think Utah being on the road was always going to have it up there. But you're right. Like Utah. Well, you get Utah on the road November 21st. No, yes. Instead of which is not December, December 12th. <laughs> yeah, which, which, is, which is just a little bit better. And, and for, for funsies. Depending on the website you look at, you're looking at a temperature in the low 40s uh, and, about a, and about a seven degree difference between November 21st when SC gets them and December 12th when SC could have gotten them at their worst, which would have been the worst possible week. Well, not only the worst possible week because of the weather, but also because by that point they will have had five games, four games to get their team replacements all in place and find their right. new identity uh, but but yeah, like for, playing in forty degree weather is is not terrible. Um, as long as there's no slow, snow, but as long as there's no the snow. The other thing with with these historical averages that, is that, that's throw difficult. them out the window because they don't have any impact on. <laughs> they fluctuate so wildly <laughs> yeah. because of whether or not there's a storm or not. So um, I, yeah, I if there's a there could be a storm. I'll take my chances. October twenty first. There certainly could be one. November twenty first. I'll take my chances with November twenty first as opposed to December. 12th. Sure, of those two, you're actually gonna you're totally gonna pick November twenty first. Uh, but what do you think about SC getting the final three games um at home after November twenty first? They're, they're basically back on campus for the remainder of everything. Colorado, Wazoo. And then at UCLA again, a virtual home game at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I think I think it's a uh, very fortunate for USC, uh, not just because they won't have to deal with weather uh, with Colorado and Washington State, uh, 
but uh, you know, USC always does better at home. You know, USC always does better in the LA area. So it it bodes well for USC. Really, those first three games and really only two of those games are a worry. Um, USC can have the Pac-12 South more or less wrapped up very, very early in the season. On the flip side, USC could also fall flat on their face and be basically out of luck as as far as recovering uh, with that more fortunate end to the season. Yeah, this is such a weird season because on the surface, on paper, I think you look at this and you say if SC starts 3-0, and then the season's over. And the, the the division is over. They've got it wrapped up. Uh, they will have beaten their two biggest foes, ASU and Utah, in the conference. Uh, and that's it. Uh, Colorado, Washington State, and UCLA are significantly uh, easier opponents than, than the first three games. So the it should be simpler. And SC should waltz in the end. But this is but the this COVID USC. season. Yeah. And I, and I want to stress this because I know that we talked about things and – SC potentially going seven and zero and maybe playing extra games. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to get into that in the sense of I do not think that like, I'm not predicting that SC goes to the playoff. FYI. Um, but I, I think that if you look at this on on paper, um, in a bubble, knowing what we know about USC and and whatnot, this is a schedule in which. They should go six and one, right? Uh, well, of the six teams that we know, they should go five and one. Well, I and I say the five and one because going perfect is always hard, no matter what it is. There's bound to be one f up somewhere, right? Five and one that they should go no worse than five and one. They'll be favored in all six of these games. Uh, that's the, their season is right out in front of them. At the same time, this is a year that is the COVID year, and and and. Just as possible as it is for SC to go seven and zero, I think it's just as likely that they go two and five, right? So in, in their full seven games, because here's the thing: this is a weird transition year in which nobody had an off season to practice, and mind you, every team is going to deal with this stuff, right? Uh, which you, is you've why seen the Big Twelve with K State beating um, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, you saw Texas Tech and and Texas go to that crazy overtime game, like. In the SEC, you you saw you've seen losses. LSU loses everybody, and suddenly people remember that Ed Ogeron's coaching them again. And they lose, obviously. This is a situation where every I, I don't. It's going to be hard to be perfect, even though you have fewer games, and even though you have a a, a cakewalk of a schedule well, in comparison okay, to everything but else. But what differentiates the team that wins the Pac-12 from the teams that don't win the Pac-12 every year? Coaching. That no, the team that wins the Pac-12 did everything better. Sure, well, so yeah. that's I mean, all. In a simple, like in a simple I think sense, yes. I think there's a difference. We have to differentiate between what could happen and what should happen. And this is the argument right. you and I got into last time. And I'm doubling down. USC should go six and zero in this schedule. Absolutely six and zero. Will it be difficult to deal with a nine a.m. kickoff against ASU to start the season? Absolutely. But USC should have navigated this offseason well enough. They they have been practicing since August. Not practicing in terms of practice, but they have been working out conditioning since August. Um, they will have had a four, full four weeks, in theory, of practice. And all of the things that have are potential setbacks for them, there are absolutely ways to turn those into positives. Todd Orlando getting extra time 
uh, on the theoretical side to to install his his uh, his defense um, facing an opposing defense that has new coordinators who won't have had the opportunity to um, be perfectly ready and, and fit to go against USC's offense, which shouldn't miss a beat. Like, isn't that the entire thing that Mississippi State had with uh, with KJ Costello doing what he did to LSU was the air raid. It just works so quickly that it doesn't. And then people realize, oh yeah, Bo Pelini not as good as Dave Aranda. I mean, yes, objectively, yes. But the whole the whole point is that even with the difficulties that the ASU game poses, USC should still win that game. It's at home. You should still win that game, even with the difficulties of traveling to Utah. Not only like traveling to Utah has now been neutered a bit. Because you don't have a crowd at Rice Eccles Stadium. Yeah. Um, sure, it might be a little cold, but it, short of a storm, a snowstorm, yes. Okay, I will. I will pull back and say if there is a blizzard and USC's air raid can't go against Utah, then I mean, I guess I'll concede that s- stuff happens. But like the the. The normal difficulties of facing Utah in Rice Eccles are are cut in half, right. basically. And Utah is a team that has serious, serious gaps to fill. So, SC has the most favorable path they've ever had, ever. Yes. So, so if they fail to take advantage of that, then I think that is that is a failure. Sure. Um, do I do I imagine that five and one is 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 possible, if not more probable? Absolutely, because this USC team we know will let us down. So it wouldn't surprise me if they dropped one of these games that they shouldn't. Uh, do I think that it's possible that USC goes two and five? Absolutely, because we just saw USC go five and seven a couple years ago. So, you know, I have to acknowledge that these things are possible. But when we're looking at a schedule right now and looking at what should take place, I think it's pretty clear to me that USC has no excuse to not go to the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, I I would completely agree. I think that you look at the schedule, uh, they, they should be no worse than five and one. Absolutely. Um, and it's a, it's a situation where um, I, I think that if if you if you're banking on this team going seven and zero, I think that's maybe a little a little too um, naive of how hard it is a to go seven and zero and and b how this team um, has not shown the ability to eliminate all mistakes for for a complete season. And and secondly, if you're out here saying that this team is destined to go three and five. Or or whatever, I, I think you're selling a, a poor bill of sale too, right? Like like that is a, that's overly pessimistic, right? the The reality is SC has a talent advantage, uh, uh, certainly on offense, a schematic advantage in a lot of ways. Um, that and and the players and everything that they're going to be favored in every single game, every single one. When was the last time that happened? Going into 2012, you thought that, and then that immediately changed. But you know, right, but that was you know predicting USC would win 12 games. There's only like we've right. seen USC win six games in a row. Yeah, so like I think that this is absolutely the schedule that SC needed, wanted, uh, and and you know the I I, see, I know the memes the the Clay Helton. Uh, is the luckiest guy ever because of all these these schedule breaks and all this stuff? Sure, but this is this is how it goes. This this is SC's opportunity. 
to make good and SC's opportunity to put everything together for once and see what they can do with Keaton Slover, see what they can do with Amon Ross St. Brown, see what they can do with all the wealth talent behind them because they're absolutely uh, going to be capable of having conference-winning season this year. Anyways, we're going to take a quick break and come back and do a mailbag and wrap this thing up. Uh, we will be back later in this week, too, uh, with the main show. So this is sort of a truncated full episode, uh, but we were waiting for the schedule, and so we had concrete information to, uh, to give to you and uh, give you our reactions to that as well. I'll be right back for the mailbag. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's go to a question from Michael Mudo. How much practice has ASU really had? I imagine Arizona has no rules about anything, especially COVID. So I think you're right as far as the degree of their restrictions doesn't rise to the level that USC has been dealing with. That's for sure. But they've still been limited to the, uh, I think they, was it the 12-hour uh, for the the teams that weren't playing, they were still going to let them do uh, a week of practice just sort of within the limitations of, of the NCAA. So they haven't necessarily been far and away ahead of, of what USC will be at when they get back onto the practice field, but they, they certainly have been able to do more in the way of practicing and more in the way of, of getting together as a team. So they do have that advantage. There's no denying that. I guess the question is, uh, how much that will come into play in that in that first week because it's not like they've been doing full bore, you know, normal weeks of practice. Yeah, I think the more important thing is that they had spring camp. Yes, but uh, again, spring camp at this point was eight months ago. Yeah, seven months. Like that was a long time ago. So, um, at, at this rate, does spring camp even matter? Like. I guess it probably does because you were able to see what the new defense can can look like physically rather than just having to do a bunch of mental reps kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be an advantage that ST didn't uh, have an opportunity to have a spring camp. They got literally one practice, and that was always just going to be install, which is not doing anything in that practice anyway. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest um uh, opportunity for ASU in that game, but I think for the most part, the Pac-12 has done a good job in not not making it capable for teams to just far and away be overly prepared compared to everybody else. They've got to create uh, a list of rules that keep you know competitive advantages. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing you can count balance. on you can count on the Pac-12 to do, it's to go out of their way to try and keep things a little bit of more balanced or more fair, depending on what your definition of fair is. Uh, but that that's going to be the, the challenge that, that USC has. And this is going to be quite interesting, too, because we've seen USC have to face off with out-of-conference opponents where they have to prepare for one opponent specifically. What will the preparation time for Clay Hilton getting four weeks to prepare for ASU uh, versus Herm Edwards getting four weeks to prepare for USC, that's going to be something also that that you have to take into account, and we'll see the we'll see the 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 effects of that when they when they play. Yep. Uh, next question, Mister Steal Your Fish says, now that the Pac-12 is playing, does this season count towards Helton's contract? Uh, spoiler alert: 
this year is counting towards Helton's contract no matter what. Those contracts are for years. They're not for seasons. Uh, pretty much for reasons like this. If there's no season due to COVID, if um, or if, uh, say, Clay couldn't, couldn't coach for some reason that prevented him from coaching, um, knock on wood, this doesn't happen, but if there was a health issue that prevented him from coaching, it's not like they would stop his contract because he wasn't on the sideline. Uh, no, th- those contracts are for the years, not for the um, the games coached. Yeah, not for the seasons. Yeah, uh, I, I want to flip this question around a little bit. Just I know that the, the the question itself was about the contract, but I think there is a question to be asked about how this season plays on Clay Helton's job security, because I know you and I have talked in the past about. You know, can USC fire Clay Hilton after this year? There was a, an ESPN report a couple of weeks ago, maybe more than I've lost track of time. It's probably several weeks ago where the uh, this the sources said that basically it would take an utter catastrophe for Helton to be fired uh, with the result of the 2020 season, whenever it was played. So I guess my question is, what does a catastrophe look like to you? Is is two and five a catastrophe to the degree that USC takes the chance, takes the the financial hit to move on from Helton and have to hire a new coach and a two new and staff? Two and five, yeah, absolutely. You think two and five? What if what if USC goes one and two to start the season? What if the first half of the season is losses to ASU, Arizona, the, and and we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to have these conversations if it comes up. So like, know, prepare yourself. Like, I, I a mid season firing in in a season in a COVID small, season. Like I, I don't I I don't get it. Under under previous USC administrations, I might say hell yeah they're gonna do that. But I I get the feeling that Mike Bone and company are a little bit more. Uh, yeah, especially when like, and I hate to be this guy, but again, what does that one and two look like? Is that one and two a snowstorm in Salt Lake City? And it's a sloppy first week that uh, went to overtime against ASU because that's a completely different one and two than getting blown off the field by ASU in Utah. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I think these things matter in, in, in some, you know, the context matters. Um, by and large, I, I think that Clay Elton needs to win and win games. And I think that as long as he wins the division, I think he's probably fine in this situation. But... But, 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 if he doesn't win the division, I think all bets are off. I, I think that it, it might be, a, a, you know, a financial hit and all that stuff. But again, one year is lopped off the, 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 the contract. And we've talked about it before. And I know that nobody wants to talk about this, but we, if you bring him back, you almost have to start looking and extending him again just for the stupid, um, recruiting thing of having your contract out five years in advance because every head coach's contract is, is given five years of runtime. So that way you can go out there and recruit. And so if they go, if they go four and three, (laughs) if they go four and three, like Clay Helton after going four and three, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that you could. Right. And so I think at four and three, you can absolutely cut him. I think at five and two, you could potentially, um, it depends on what the two are, isn't it? It, it certainly depends yeah. on, on what it looks like, right? Yeah. Again, so, if, it, if it's five and two and there's an overtime loss and a loss and a blizzard, like, 
Uh, that's completely very different, different than than a blowout loss to whoever, right? To, to Utah and ASU, sure. yeah. Uh, the, the the interesting thing is the financial accommodations that they're going to have to make for losing the money that they're losing this season. The the ability to play these games and have them all on national TV providers, whether it be ESPN or Fox, uh, they're all going to be they're like n- none of these games are going to be on the Pac-12 network. So they are fulfilling most of their uh, of the games that they needed to have broadcast this fall. So they're going to get a decent chunk of money here, but they are everybody's losing money as far as the uh, not having fans at games and all sorts of other problems. But uh, Alicia, they, they're not playing the season for money, didn't you? No, hear? it's it's not yeah. about the money. It's not it's about the not money. about the money at all. But so I'm wondering if being able to play this game, play the season right now, and get that money in the bank will give them the kind of freedom that they would need to to say, you know what, in January, let's just go, let's go find a, a new head coach or, or and take the hit that we need to take because we have to do this instead of how like if the if it comes down to do you extend Clay Hilton or do you just cut loose i think that would be a very very fascinating conversation to be involved in if you had to take the actual financial numbers into account which a lot of people i think often don't consider with these but if it comes down to having to extend him and and working out the contract so that it's much more in usc's favor this time which i think you could absolutely do um i wonder if it would be wise to almost treat this season and next season as one sort of combined evaluation where if Clay Helton goes like five and two, then you just take the result of, of the next season and consider like, oh, so this is over the, over these last 18 games or whatever. Yeah, I, I think that if you're going to retain him, that's exactly how you do it. I, I Just given the circumstance, because it seemed like Bone's entire MO or the, the MO of this new athletic department was to buy time in order to fix everything, fix all the infrastructure, fix the foundation, so that way the next head coach could come in and start the ground running. Uh, which means that at, at some point you'd either make a change or you'd have Clay prove that he was the guy. And so how he's going to prove he's the guy by... Getting into the playoffs. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Yeah, but no one's going to be holding their breath for that, Le- right? Less than the Pac. Let's say, let's say anything less than the Pac-12 title this year. Yeah, I think puts him at risk. At a serious risk. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And then you 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 take that this season. Uh, if he goes five and two and he gets retained, then you take those two losses and you add it to next season and you look at those two seasons as a whole, because if you can, and again, I I understand the absurdity of this, but if you bring him back and you don't do that extend for the recruiting thing, then you surely have to do it after next season. (laughs) And so then you especially look at it and, and that's when you're like, well, he was five and two and he was 10 and two. You know what? That's four losses. We're we're cutting. Can I share my new, uh, and this is entirely too, too early uh, coaching carousel uh, prediction. Sure. Okay, so here, USC fans, USC fans who want to have a new head coach, here's what you need to do. You need to root for Dave Aranda at Baylor because here's what can happen. USC gets through this season, 2020, keeps Clay Helton through 2021 because of the financial implications, 
at the end of the 2021 season, which is inevitably another medium Clay Helton season, you move on from Clay Helton and then you turn around and, oh, look who's got Baylor being kind of low-key okay. Uh, let's go Dave Aranda. He Dave, makes me drool. Dave Aranda is is already somebody that has been linked to USC many, many times as a defensive coordinator. So Hot damn, that defense. Basically, root for Dave Aranda to turn out to be a good head coach at Baylor, and uh, everything will be okay. I, I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. I'm just saying, book it. When, uh, you know, a year from now, maybe a year, let's say a year and a few months from now, since it's, it's October, uh, a year and a couple months, we will have to go back and cut this clip so that we can play it when the inevitable happens, and then I can gloat. All right, I will put Make a, a slack reminder right yeah. now. Yeah, there you go. All right, sounds good. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode. Well, what else is on your mind? Um, I, uh, you know, football, there's football going on. The other thing on my mind, which if we're just going to share random thoughts that I've been tweeting, uh, watching Texas and TCU right they're, now. They're, they're losing. It's TCU 23 to, to 14, although... Ellinger throws a little slant, I mean, a, a little uh, bubble screen, and it's going to be a touchdown for Texas. They get into the end zone, and just like that, the Longhorns <laughs> pull in with within a, a score. Uh, it's 23-20. Do you go for two here? You just you just kick that field and make a, a, a... It's the third quarter. You don't go for yeah, two yet. For sure. Okay, the, but my, my point you'll, is... You'll trade about two. Watching Texas be Texas, and having conversations with people about Texas being Texas, which is to say, meh. Um, I was struck today with, with the thought that, you know, everyone talks about the perception of the big, of the Pac-12 being so low, but in reality, is not the Pac-12 and the big 12 basically the same thing, except that Oklahoma is good. Like if USC was the only exception is that Oklahoma has found a way to end their seasons with one loss instead of two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, but the, the difference between perception between the two conferences Cutting everything else out, the difference in perception is is essentially USC. If USC was was at Oklahoma's level like they should be, then this this idea that the Pac-12 is super weak or whatever would be totally bunk, at least relative to the Big 12. Because guess what? The Big 12 isn't that strong. Yeah. Just but, saying. But this is, again, why I keep saying that uh, the Pac-12 is not out of it. Because I... I I don't think that uh, there's this world of the, the, there's this worlds apart that that people are saying that there is, especially in a year like this in which anything could happen, um, and more games mean more losses for the SEC. Um, you're going to have two and three loss SEC teams that are going to compare to one loss Pac-12 teams just based on the numbers of how many games are played. So. Uh, I think the the per- false perception of records could um, could actually play in the Pectoral's favor. You never know. Uh, yep. Either way, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back this week over on Patreon with the start of our 10-part unit-by-unit preview series. Let's pick a day. Alicia, what days are we going to drop those? Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays? Well, we already dropped... No, we drop main episodes on Wednesday. Yes, so Tuesday and Thursday. There Tuesdays you go. and Thursdays. Over on Patreon. I, I say with our... an asterisk that we drop main episodes on Wednesdays. Yeah. <laughs> Tuesdays and Thursdays. 
you'll get our main. Uh, sorry, you'll get our our Patreon our episodes Patreon, covering each uh, unit. Yeah, that what those you, things. I can't talk. Yes. What am I doing? Unit, unit previews on Patreon. It's Check them out. It's too early. It's like not even 11 o'clock. It's, yes, it's time for lunch. Sorry, it's 11.46. Like, this is way too early. Way too early in my day. Yeah, you should you should still have a couple hours of sleep left. Exactly. Yeah. On a Saturday? Yeah. All right, I'm going back to bed. Uh, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Omni. Bonus episodes on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Email address, Reign of Troy, fansite.com, and our phone number, 213-373-1USC. Stuck with Spurn Show. Good job. You were going so fast, I was thinking that I wasn't supposed to come in. Like, I was ready, and then I thought, no, it's he's doing. He's just doing a thing. You were supposed to join in? Oh, well. You failed. Normally, you, like, pause. And there was then, a pause in there. There was, uh, there was a pause. You, did, that. You, you did not do it. I don't know. Did not know. Alright, we'll see you. See you. See you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.